Hi, this is Tom Compton of We Hold These Truths. You're listening to the Unheralded News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths at whtt.org on the web. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's podcast for Pharisee Watch and Unheralded News, we're going to talk about the reaction to the Christ at the Checkpoint conference held in Bethlehem just in this past March. This is the conference for those who have followed what we've done. We actually were invited to the conference, but because of Zionist influence, were disinvited. We were going to show our video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and Turning, about the situation. And at that, as a compromise, at that conference, some Messianic Jewish Christians were invited to the conference and to placate them. There was a campaign to discredit, for example, Stephen Sizer, one of the speakers at the original Christ the Checkpoint conference held in 2010. And they discredited him with calling him a, a anti-Semite, as typically is done in these smear campaigns. And he has done a very good job on his website. You can see a number of Jewish people, even rabbis, that have come to his defense there to show that the efforts to discredit this conference and people like Stephen Sizer, who has written on the subject of Christian Zionism and is very knowledgeable about the subject and, and the dangers that it poses. But this piece is actually from Sid Roth's organization. He has a website, and it's sidroth, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot, dot org. And two people wrote an article critiquing this Conference. I'm going to have Leslie read just a portion of it, and we'll be talking about it a little more extensively. It's entitled, Latest Weapon Against Israel, Palestinian Christianity. Now, I might also frame this that recently, and you need to see this, you can get the links on our website, the CBS 60 Minutes segments on the Christians in Palestine and their dwindling numbers. So you'll hear in the uh, in, in this quote here, they say there's very few people, very few Christians left. Well, part of the reason is they've been driven out of there by the policies of the Israelis. So you have the Messianic Christian community that now sees the Palestinian Christians as a, a weapon against the state of Israel. Leslie, would you read the piece, please? Latest weapon against Israel, Palestinian Christianity. Arian Shira Sorkel Ram, May 22, 2012. The Messianic Jewish community in Israel has just experienced a searing and wrenching event as we watched live streaming of Palestinian Christians in Bethlehem hosting an incredibly sophisticated attack against the existence of Israel. Their tongues were smooth as they expressed their great love of the Jewish people 
and at the same time described the injustice, the evil and immoral occupation of Palestine and crimes against humanity by the criminal state of Israel. The speakers at the Christ at the Checkpoint Conference demanded that the security fence wall and checkpoints be taken down, which would, of course, allow the return of suicide bombers crossing into Israel again. They demanded that Arabs be allowed to return to their ancient homeland, meaning giving the Holy Land to the Muslims. When you see the word Palestinian, read Muslim, as 99% of all Palestinians are Muslims. Is the Checkpoint Conference significant? But what is the big deal with a conference in Bethlehem attended by 600 people? The danger is that strident anti-Israel, anti-Semitism, cloaked in the love of God for our enemies, i.e. Jews, is so beautifully wrapped in churchy language that many evangelicals in the West could be, and sadly probably will be, deceived and hoodwinked into believing that the church has replaced Israel and that the state of Israel has caused the Palestinians incalculable injury and injustice. By putting on sheep's clothing, the Palestinian Christians can do far more damage to the people of Israel than even Muslims can. The Christian terminology sounds familiar, the jargon is spiritual, but the end goal is the destruction of Israel. That's what replacement theology allows. There is no way to compromise with replacement theology. Replacement theology, no matter who teaches it and who holds it, is the key evil of historical Christianity, and it has been the principal motive for the Holocaust and the blood libels and pogroms of history. If you will take the time to absorb the information in the following article by Avner Bosky, one of the most scholarly Messianic Jews in Israel, you will understand the deception of replacement theology that so many evangelicals have not grasped. Okay, thank you. And it goes on there. And so this concept of replacement theology is brought up here that Jesus replaces Israel. And, of course, that's what traditional Christianity has contended, that Jesus was the fulfillment of those biblical prophecies and that we are now in a second covenant. Chuck, would you like to add some comments, please? Well, I'd like to ask Mark to do that, but I will add a couple myself. This issue of replacement theology is just a dirty word way of referring to traditional Christianity, I believe. I'm going to, I'm going to defer to Mark on a number of these things. But uh, the first thing to recognize is that those who try to defeat an idea always have to name it something unpleasant. And so the whole idea of replacement theology gives the notion that this is something brand new that just came out of the clouds uh, in the 21st century or something, and that it's practiced by lunatics who uh, aren't really following anything traditional in the way of Christianity. So the first thing that we observe here is the name. The second thing is that Sid Roth, who has promoted this website, and, and of course these people who are speaking, are basically Israelis. 
they live in Israel, they probably live in very posh circumstances in Israel, even though they are pretenders at Christianity of some sort. At least they say they're Messianic Christians. But they would be the only Christians who would probably be genuinely welcome in Israel's hierarchy because, of course, they promote these ideas that we see constantly that Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy and the state of Israel is exactly the same as the Israel of 3,000 years ago, which, uh, of course, was referred to as the Israelite religion then. One Clarence H. Wagner, Jr., runs an organization now, which started many years ago, called Bridges for Peace. It's one of the most powerful Christian Zionist organizations in Palestine. And it uh, runs charities that go exclusively to Jewish people. In other words, the Jewish people are the only one eligible for the charities coming from Bridges for Peace. And Clarence Wagner comments on this idea of a, on what he calls a replacement theology. And in it, he gives all the key points that are uh, supposedly this error. He calls it the error of replacement theology. And, and they're the very things that we find ourselves quoting out of Galatians, out of, of course, and out of Abraham's words. And he gives many of these. It so happens that Mr. Clarence Wagner was one time asked to debate the question, is Israel a fulfillment of biblical prophecy on an American radio program? And I was the other party debating this issue with him. And we never, and I never let him get off uh, the, the first, his first statement that came from the book of Abraham. But uh, this was a Christian station that had a large audience of our friends, our dispensational friends who lead, read the Schofield Reference Bible some of them be, being our listeners here tonight. And uh, the pressure was, so much pressure was put on the host of this program who put on this debate that it caused him major problems in his work. And it brought down a real threat to his employment, and which I learned about. So Christian Zionism is incredibly powerful. In Israel, the Messianic movement is the essence of the Christian Zionist movement in the state of Israel, and leaders like the story that we're reading here are the harbingers of this. So um, maybe we could ask Mark if he would give us uh, some of the symptoms of uh, Messianic Christianity or Christian Zionism. Symptoms? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's or, like or Messianic is something you have. ate. Uh-huh. <laughs> A broad topic, uh, but this idea of replacement theology, I did... They did at least give lip service in the write-up that this was uh, centuries old, and of course, and then of course they tried to paint along with the only bad things, all the uh, evil destruction of uh, of Jews through through the Middle Ages and the Crusades and and uh, all up into modern times. Uh, but one doesn't necessarily go along with the other. It is certainly true that uh, traditionally the church has taught that the religion of Christ supersedes or replaces the religion of Moses. And this is what the Bible says all the way from the beginning. Moses himself said, in your final days, God will rise up a prophet uh, like myself, and you listen to him. 
and the whole Bible from from the books of Moses all the way to Revelation all reinforce this idea that there would be a a, a new religion of Christ that would replace the temporary religion of Moses. So a symptom of any religion or any denomination that doesn't believe this anymore is that they are very confused and they they believe that people who don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God are going to heaven or going to be reconciled to God or something. And this is a great tragedy because they are missing opportunities to reach the lost because they don't even know who the lost are. The implications of their confusion would be almost endless, and we could talk for days about the horrible implications of their uh, confusion on this very simple Bible topic. Well, one of the things is they basically does it deny that there's any problem in Palestine. You know, he's basically they're making fun of of what's going on there by by ridiculing it, saying that they they are being that they're actually admitting that there's really nothing wrong with this occupation that you can take from what they're saying in this piece. Well, of course, there's nothing wrong with the occupation. There is a problem in Palestine, and it's. Uh, all Arabs. That's the problem. They need to go away. They need to understand that God has given this land in perpetuity to modern Israelis who are the uh, legal heirs of Abraham and are entitled to all that real estate without any compensation. And so that is the problem in Palestine. Plus the Palestinian Christians really aren't Christians, I guess we can surmise from here. That they're they're a phony brand of Christianity. Yeah, they're, they're anti-Israel, anti-Semitic, and uh, cloaked in the love of God for our enemies. So beautifully wrapped in churchy language. Wow. Are you reading that as a quote, Leslie, out of the? Uh, it's from the article. Yes. From the article. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is very powerful stuff. These people are really full of venom when it comes to to us. Uh, basically, I think I've got to say they hate us. <laughs> uh, and, and we are unacceptable to them. We are unacceptable Christians to the to the Messianic Christians. We have to change. We cannot be the way we are. Before we were we were the invisible Christians there, and now um, we're a threat. You ask these people where they get their idea that there's something wrong with with, with re, so-called replacement theology. They'll take you right to the very verses that we. Uh, that we uh, cite ourselves, such as the third chapter of Galatians, where Paul explained to the Judeans of his time that they are a new co- they are a new covenant. There is a new covenant, and that those who follow Christ are the sons of Abraham. He says it in those very words, and he goes on to point out that the old is fulfilled, and uh, the whole book of Galatians is about that. So, if you ask Clarence Wagner. What do these foolish people who believe in replacement theology, where do they get their beliefs? He would say, well, they go into the third chapter of the book of Galatians, and then they uh, twist it and bend it to take it out of context. And then he'll come back Chuck, and say... excuse me. Let me read this from chapter 13, just for anybody that's listening in here. Chapter 3, excuse me, of Galatians, starting in verse 5. Paul is speaking, Brethren, I speak in the manner of men though it is only a man's covenant. Yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. 
Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say to and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. So they're saying that that is not right, that we're twisting it around somehow. I don't know how you can twist that around any more than it's pretty pretty plain to me anyway. Well, you you really wonder why they take us into the book of Galatians, but they do, because if you if you just go into the book of Galatians, stop there and read it, uh, you'll find that it, it clearly points out that the covenant we live in is indeed a replacement uh, of uh, of the old, and that Christ's very purpose was to come and bring that. And uh, but uh, isn't again, that why it's called the New Testament? Uh, it's really the New Covenant. It's really the New Covenant, right? Right. Well, anyway, this is so common to Christianity that you could not find a Catholic, a Lutheran, an Episcopalian who does not basically believe that this new covenant does mean what we say it does. It's common to everything except, of course, the dispensational movement, which has moved back to the old idea that Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, not Jesus, or alongside of Jesus. And so we have a dual fulfillment of the prophecy. We have Jesus, yes, but we also at the same time have this political state called Israel, and they're inseparable somehow, and we have to accept the idea that both were God's plan for our future, and that Israel, the state of Israel, is ever as much a part of God's plan for our future as is Jesus himself. And I hate to say that, and I don't want to sound as though I'm exaggerating, but I think of the words, I think the words that you read tonight, Leslie, uh, kind of confirm that that they do place as much emphasis on love of the state of Israel as they do love of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Let me just read in that same chapter 3 from Galatians from 23 to the end of the chapter. Now, they're talking about in the Old Testament there was a law, the law of given by God, the Ten Commandments, and so forth. So here he says, But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That seems pretty clear, but they certainly do rail at that, and they're the ones that seem to be twisting these words around. God is... From what I read here, God is not a racist. He's not a respecter of persons. And, uh, but he died um, on our behalf. Everybody's on behalf. Well, that's right, yes. And, and, and that is exactly why we conduct the kind of Bible studies we do where our leader, Mark, leads us directly out of the Scripture. We stay right in the Scripture. We don't deviate from it, and we examine exactly what it says and means. And we believe that's the only way 
to study God's Word is to let God's Word interpret itself as we go. And by the way, I'm looking here at an article by this very Clarence H. Wagner. I remember well our debate, and I'm no theologian, but you don't have to be a theologian if you know what you're debating. And his article is entitled The Air of Replacement Theology, and I'm looking through this. He has many Bible sites in here, but in this case, he has avoided completely talking about the book of Galatians. It does not, it's not mentioned in here. Some of the other commentaries I've seen, they've actually dipped into the book of Galatians and then tried to refute it and go on. But Clarence Wagner uses the age-old dispensational scheme of quoting 40 different pieces from 40 different scriptures that he says all tie together and prove one mosaic. And, of course, this is the tremendous air of this kind of biblical study is that you bit, take bits and pieces and then pretend that they all match. And it's as much as biblical scrabble, uh, inventing, uh, inventing the Bible with biblical scrabble, I guess, would be an example. How, how about a spiritual Frankenstein? Uh, yes. And come I'm up sorry, with that's just my... <laughs> well, yeah, it is, uh, it is a weird creation. And just like in this, what we've read in Galatians, dispensationalists that are the Christian Zionist leaning will say that this refers to a spiritual side of Christianity and Christ and that it doesn't rule out the uh, modern state of Israel. So they've, they always have some kind of answer to rebut, even though it's as plain as the nose on anybody's face what's written here. And uh, and the book of Galatians is only one place, but it is a very clear place. And we recommend that if you are listening and you're confused about this, if you fit into this camp of uh, dispensational or Christian Zionist or or or, uh, or you just generally have been taught that Israel, the physical state of Israel, is God's fulfillment of prophecy, we suggest that you sit down and read Galatians. All, all six chapters over and over again, and uh, until you actually can convince yourself what they do say to you and then examine what you used to believe in light of uh, the, the actual scripture itself. Don't listen to the people who say you can get the truth by taking bits and pieces from a hundred places and patching them together. Uh, this is uh, as false as as it would be for a chemistry teacher to tell you that you should take down 20 chemistry books and read the, read bits and pieces out of all of them, and then this would teach you how to pass the exam in chemistry. Well said. Uh, the, the other thing that I want to mention is that uh, the condemnation here that somehow these Palestinian Christians want to ruin uh, Israel. I mean, they live there. They want to continue living there. Uh, then... Uh, it was obvious from the 60 Minutes piece that there is something wrong. You could see that. This is reported by Bob Simon, who is Jewish, and I believe he still lives or he has a place in, in Tel Aviv. So he is in the know. And so what he said really reveals what is uh, happening to the Palestinians in the, in the peace uh, about the dwindling numbers of Christians. Uh, he talks with the author of the Kairos the Palestine, uh, which is a document about the injustices being 
made it on the uh, on the Palestinian Christians. And their solution is a peaceful solution. They don't call for any violence or overthrow of Israel or anything like that. But by implication, people like these Messianic Israelis want you to believe that somehow these Christians are no different from some radical Muslim or what have you. Or they diminish it altogether by saying that 99% are Muslims. I don't know if it's quite that high, but it is. It's. Uh, I think there's only about 50,000 uh, Christians in in the, all of uh, the West Bank and and Gaza. So there's not uh, not that many there, but many have have left over the years because of the policies. Well, good job, Tom. And Leslie, thank you for reading that. It's shocking to Tonight. read what they really do believe. Well, it is very upsetting. It it, it really it, it is, and that they can use such specious arguments. They've gone beyond the. They did mention the anti-Semitism thing, but they they, they sort of gone beyond that. They've gotten out of that mold. But you know, still anybody with half a brain should be able to see it. But people have been so conditioned. All right. Well, that wraps up our program for tonight, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.